Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Um, This morning, we're going to be doing something a little different. For those uh, who are regulars here, you may be looking at the screen and wondering why it's got a little bit different logo. We're taking a, a week break from the Game of Thrones series for just a couple different reasons, given what we were doing with ordaining Ryan and also just kind of the cycle we've gone through with David and Bathsheba and uh, David's confessions uh, and receiving of forgiveness in Psalm 51 and 32. Um, We thought it'd be good just to take a week off, and I'm going to be talking about uh, the concept of the blessing. Uh, As Scott mentioned when he prayed, we say around here all the time, blessed to be a blessing. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about that idea of blessing. So we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. You can follow along in your booklet uh, on your Bible or up on the screen here. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. Hear now the word of the living God. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. A few years ago, I was at a church meeting. It was actually very similar to what we were doing this morning. A young friend of mine was being ordained that morning, and I had kind of been involved in, in his training. And so we went through the whole meeting, and it was great. There was a lot of, you know, worship and charges, and we were up front and laid hands on him and prayed for him. And we came to the end of the meeting, and at the end of the meeting, after everything was done, the pastor stepped forward and said, see you all next week. And that was it. That was the end of the meeting. And I kind of looked around at everybody and was like, what, what an anticlimactic end to the meeting. I almost wanted to holler out, what about the benediction? What about a blessing? I want to get a blessing. Can you do that for us? I felt like it was you were in a, a big Hollywood blockbuster movie and you come to the end and instead of having an ending that gives any kind of a conclusion, it just kind of stopped and rolled the credits. And I felt like the whole thing was incomplete. Now, admittedly, part of that is because I'm so used to the fact that every single meeting we end with a benediction and a blessing. But that should bring up a big, important question for you all, and one we haven't talked about in a long time. Why do we do that? Is that just a weird Bay Ridge thing? Is that something that we just kind of like, or is there a reason? Why is it important that we really should end the meeting with a benediction and a blessing? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, to do this, we're going to be looking at the ironic blessing. That is not ironic, That is Aaronic. Uh, There's plenty of ironic things going on in our culture, but we're going to look at the one that God gave to Aaron. And if you notice here, in this very famous passage, this is probably the most famous benediction that is used in Numbers chapter 6, if you notice, it's very, very clear what the purpose is. The purpose is blessing. Notice three different times the word for blessing is used. 
He says in verse 23 as an introduction before the blessing, this is how you are to bless them. And then in verse 24, the beginning of the blessing is the Lord bless you. And then down in verse 27, at the very conclusion of it all, God says, then you'll, they'll put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So three times God has told us this. It's the command, it's the words, and the fulfillment of those words. All of them mention the blessing. And this is why blessing became a regular part of the worship of God's people. I'm in a moment going to go through and show you throughout Scripture, from beginning to end, is the concept of a blessing being spoken upon the people of God. It's not a random thing. And in fact, the people of God should never gather for worship, to, to worship Him, on, especially on Sundays, and not have a benediction and a blessing at the end. We are robbing ourselves if we actually do that. God has commanded that the blessing of His people should be a regular part of worship, and He extends His blessing, the promised blessings, when we do so. Okay, and I'm going to go through and show all of this. Now, before I say anything further, it's important to understand the source and the giver of the blessing in this is not Aaron and his sons. It's not a person who pronounces the blessing. It's none other than the Lord himself. Again, notice in the text here, in verse 24, the very beginning of the first words are, the Lord bless you. In the second line of the blessing, and we're going to break it down a couple minutes, the Lord make his face shine upon you. In verse 26, the Lord turn his face towards you. So all three lines of the blessing, the subject that's doing the action is Yahweh. It's not Aaron and his sons. It's not anybody else. It is Yahweh himself. And then notice in verse 27, I will bless them. Aaron and his sons are commanded to speak certain words, but make no mistake, the actor is God himself. God is the one who says, I am the source of blessing, and I am the one who will actually give blessing. All true blessing finds its source in God himself. And let me step aside for just a second. This is true if there is somewhere today an atheist who denies the very existence of God and blessing comes into their life, it's coming from the God whose very existence they deny. Every good and perfect gift, not most of them, every one of them comes down from God. All blessing comes from God. There is no other source of blessing. And especially in this fallen, broken world, every other source is pretty much spewing forth problems. God alone is giving blessing. Now, with that said, however, it's important to understand that leaders are called to speak a blessing over God's people. Notice in verse 23, God says, tell Aaron and his sons, this is the priests within Israel, this is how you are to bless uh, the Israelites, say to them. So notice, they're to speak the blessing to the people of Israel who are under their care. They have a responsibility to act as priests within Israel. The people are under their care, and God says, I'm commanding you to give a blessing. So God is the source uh, and the giver of the blessing, but he passes the blessing to us uh, through uh, to others as they speak God's word of blessing over us. So in other words, we don't hear a booming voice come out of heaven 
and God says, I'm going to bless you. The way he does it is he says, I want Aaron and his sons. And we're going to see throughout Scripture, the leaders are called to speak a blessing over the people. And God says, I will be the source of blessing. I will give the blessing. But the channel through which it comes is as you speak the blessing over one another. And so normally the leaders are called to do this. Now notice here in this passage, of course, it's Aaron and his sons who are all the priests that are commanded to do this. This is what you are to uh, tell Aaron and his sons. This is how you're to bless the Israelites. Now notice, first off, this is not a suggestion. Yahweh's commanding this. I'm telling you I want you to do this. And we see this principle throughout Scripture. I could even point out, of course, what's the very first thing that God does when humans are created? God blesses them. Okay, that's the very first thing that happens in Genesis is God blesses us. But then he commands throughout the rest of Scripture, he's commanding the leaders to do it. We not only have Aaron here, but even prior to this, back in the book of Genesis, there's this unusual passage about this character named Melchizedek. Uh, whose name, Melchizedek, literally means king of righteousness. And he's the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, which means king of peace. And here's what we read. This is after Abraham has defeated five armies and he's rescued Lot. Melchizedek comes out, and we read this in Genesis 14. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, first off, notice here, is there anything that sounds kind of like a worship gathering in this? What does he bring out? Bread and wine and Abram gives back to God from everything that God has given to him. He gives a tenth back to God. All of this sounds very much like a worship service. And Melchizedek, we're told, is both a king and a priest. Who's the other king priest that we have? Jesus. Jesus is our king and priest, our prophet, priest, and king. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And you don't just have to take my word for that. This comes up in Psalm 110, for example, where it speaks of Jesus, that there's going to be a son of David coming forth who's going to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. That is the most often quoted verse in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 7 takes up this whole story and says this is really important to understand. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of peace. He's speaking and he's blessing Abraham. And this figure, this type of Christ, is even greater than Abraham, we are told by the author of Hebrews chapter 7. So there's this principle there. Then it's not only, of course, after that, God tells Aaron and his sons to do it in number 6. Later on in Deuteronomy, when Moses re-gives the entire law, they're about to go into the promised land. And here's what he says is to happen in Deuteronomy 10.8. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and to minister, and to pronounce blessings in his name, as they do today. All the work of the Levites is broken down into three summary statements of what they're to do, which is they carry everything with the ark of the covenant. And you remember what happened if the Levites didn't do it. We saw this in the life of David. What, what happened when they got somebody else to do it? 
Remember, it was death and destruction, okay? They minister before the Lord. They're the ones who are standing there and they are offering sacrifices and doing ministry before the Lord. And then the third thing is they speak blessings. Think how important this is. The only ones who can move the ark. They do the ministry in the temple. And by the way, the third thing that's important for you to understand is they speak a blessing over God's people. That is critical in their ministry. Fourth, if we look, when David becomes king, we see the same thing. We saw this in our Game of Thrones series recently. In 2 Samuel 6, this is when the tabernacle has been brought into Jerusalem, and it's now resting there. At the end of that day, we read in 2 Samuel 6, 18 and 20, after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. David stands up and says, okay, if I've been established as king, here's one of my responsibilities. I'm supposed to extend a blessing over the people. And then in verse 20, we read that when David returned home to bless his household. So he goes home, he says, the first thing I ought to do as a husband and father in my house is I'm supposed to go home and speak a blessing over my house. Do you see this pattern being repeated over and over again? I could show you, in fact, uh, in Chronicles, it talks about after the exile, the same statement is made about the Levites. They're back, and they're doing the same thing. They're, they're, They're back, and they are still extending a blessing. But we'll move to the New Testament. When we go through the ministry of Jesus, Luke records everything that goes on. What is the last thing Jesus does as he's ascending to heaven? Very last thing. Notice in Luke 24, 50 and 51. He's just said, I'm going to send you forth to the nations with the gospel. You're going to go forth. And so here's what he does to prepare them for that in verse 50 and 51. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he uh, left them and was taken up into heaven. Literally, the last thing Jesus did on planet earth was to speak a blessing over the disciples. Think of all the things he could have done. Last thing is I'm going to bless the disciples. And then we see the apostles pick up the same pattern. I could pick this up in virtually every epistle in the New Testament. I'll just take 2 Corinthians as an example. This has got some famous verses that are used for benedictions. But at the very beginning of the letter, in verse 2, Paul had said, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and then he, how, how does Paul begin basically every letter and so do the other apostles? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that? It's a blessing. That's what it is. Another word that we sometimes use is benediction, which just means literally good word. It's speaking a blessing over the people. Well, how does Paul end 2 Corinthians? We get all the way to the other end of the letter and he says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He begins the letter with the blessing, and he ends the letter with the blessing, and he does this in almost every single letter. The bookends to the letter is blessing. We're blessed coming and blessed going. You're blessed at the beginning. You're blessed at the end. They want to put this concept out there that the blessing of God surrounds the people of God, but they don't just take it for granted. The leader actually speaks it with them. 
Um, now, another thing is, it's not always just leaders. In fact, when Paul was out ministering and on his apostolic journey, when he's getting ready to go back to Antioch, in Acts chapter 15, we read this. After spending time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. Notice they didn't just say, see you later, Paul. What do they do as he's getting ready to leave? We're going to bless you. We're going to speak a blessing over you because you're carrying the blessing forth to the nations. And then finally, as if all of that's not enough, guess what the last verse of Scripture is? The very last verse in all the Bible is this, Revelation twenty-two twenty-one: The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to get a doctorate to figure this out. The very first thing that happens when we're created is God speaks what? A blessing. All the way through Scripture. I've just shown you all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, and you get to the very last verse of Scripture, and what is it? A blessing. This is not a minor thing, okay? You can, you can figure this out. This is really, really important. Our life ought to have the bookends of the blessing of God. And the people of God are, we're crazy if we don't do this when we gather with one another, if we don't speak a blessing. And in particular, Leaders have a specific responsibility to speak the blessing of God over those under their care, okay? And this is not just church leaders, okay? I'm going to come back to this later, but, but please hear this. If you are a parent, what ought you be doing with your children? Speaking the blessing of God over them. I still remember, first day ever found out Linda was pregnant. It was that time with Tim, but then we did it with every one of our children. First thing we did is I started speaking blessings from Scripture over them while they were still in the womb. Okay, because that is God's Word. That's what He commands us to do. Why would we not do that? Unless you're here and you just say, I don't want that blessing thing. Is there anybody who would just rather skip it? It, it would make no sense. It's the pattern throughout Scripture. Now let's look a little bit closer at the blessing and see what it entails. We're going to look a little bit closer at this blessing that God gives through Aaron. Now notice the form of the blessing. We're told the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Hebrew, and you can see this in your English Bibles, this is poetry. It's set out as poetry. It's in, it, the whole Numbers is not a book with a lot of poetry in it. And so when they're setting out in poetry, they're doing that to, to cause us to slow down, to pay attention. There's some grandeur here. You remember the first time poetry is actually used in the Bible is when God says, we're going to make man in our image. In the image of God, we're going to make the male and female. We're going to create That little passage in Genesis 1, 26 is spoken in poetry because God's saying, stop, pay attention. If you and I were just having a conversation and suddenly I whipped into iambic pentameter and went into some poetry, you would probably notice that, right? Probably think I was a little weird. But you would notice, you'd pay attention. Well, that's exactly what God's doing here. He's, all of a sudden, it moves into poetry. Secondly, notice there are three separate lines here, and each line's got two parts. And the second kind of explains the first. In other words, the Lord bless you. And what, what that means is 
in blessing you, he's going to keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And what that means is he's going to be gracious towards you. The Lord turn his face towards you, and that leads you, he's going to give you peace. Shalom. It's kind of a building. And notice once again, who's the subject in every single line of this poem? The Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you. So you can see this. Now, one other thing in the structure of the poem is it, the, the poem is, is uh, constructed really precisely. You can't see this easily in English. So I'm going to throw up Hebrew here, not so that you can read it. I know, that, isn't, doesn't that look like something that some aliens left somewhere? This is why you need to pray for Ryan. He's, believe it or not, he's got to learn how to read this, okay? But what do you notice here about each line of this poem? What are they doing? Getting longer and longer because it's building. It's building up. It's building to a finale. And that finale is shalom. That's the ultimate blessing. God's shalom okay so it's not important that you learn to read this but you can see it here in a way you can't in english because we have to translate it out but it's very precise it's it's got this sense of building and getting a little longer and a little longer to speak to the very end now notice the content of the blessing god promises five different things in this blessing five different things number one he promises his overall provision the very first line is the lord bless you. Not surprising because it's a blessing. God is saying, I'm going to be the one who's going to provide what you need. I'm going to be your source of provision. And so when we speak this blessing and you are there, you need to cry out to God and say, Lord, you are my provider. The Lord is the one who provides for me. On the mountain of Yahweh, it will be provided. You remember with Abraham and Isaac, God is our provider. First blessing is provision. The second blessing, and it's the second part of that line, is to keep. The Lord bless and keep you. What does it mean by keep? What does that word really mean? To protect you. That's what it really is. It's God's protection. God is guarding you. The Lord is watching over you. He is the one who makes sure you are kept and protected and safe. That is what God is promising to do. And that's what uh, the, the Hebrew word here uh, actually means. It's the, it's the word shamar. And that, that's used, for example, in that uh, Psalm, you know, the, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds and watches over his people. It's this word, Shamar. God watches over us. God is our protection. He's our provision. He is our protection. Thirdly, there is pardon that is here in it. Thirdly, there is pardon. Number 625, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. What does it mean when God's face shines on us? What's the imagery that's being used? What's the opposite of his face shining? Right, he's frowning at us. He's upset with us. Which, by the way, is exactly what you and I would deserve, right? But it says, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The way God's shining face is expressed is in his grace towards 
us. God is gracious to us. The reason that the gospel is the central blessing, notice we're right here in the middle of the blessing, and at the middle of it, in the third of five, is pardon, is the forgiveness of sins, is God's grace. The gospel is the central blessing is because if you and I are going to be blessed at all, God must be gracious. He must forgive our sins, which deserve judgment rather than blessing. See, if God doesn't promise this as the central blessing, then you and I might stand there and say, why would I believe God would look and have his face shine upon me? I know what I've done. I know my hands are not clean. I know I have failed. But right at the center of the blessing, God says, no, but I'm going to turn my face towards you in blessing rather than judgment because I am a God who is giving you grace rather than wrath. I'm giving you mercy rather than judgment. And that's the central blessing here. Fourthly, there is a promise of God's presence. And this is kind of actually done twice. He's already told us when his face will shine upon us. And it's kind of picked up again. And we're told, the Lord turn his face towards you. This is a, a phrase that God is actively looking at you, but he's looking to bless you. It's a promise of God's presence, and it's a good presence. Is there anywhere we can flee from the presence of God? No, there's nowhere we can flee from the presence of God. But here's the reality. David even tells us, if I even go down and make my bed in Sheol, if I go down to the depths of hell, God is there. Sometimes people say it's the absence of God. It's not. There is nowhere God is absent. It's the absence of God's favor. And see, because God is gracious, God's favoring presence is with us as his people. He's always there, but this is a statement God is saying, I'm going to be with you, not just in a general way, but specifically, and I'm there in my presence to bless you, to be your provision, to be the one who uh, protects you, to be the one who pardons you. That's the presence that's with us. And then that finally leads to the very last word of the thing. Remember, it's built all the way up. And the last word is peace, or the Hebrew word is shalom, where it says, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That word, which many of us have heard, the word shalom. And shalom is the ultimate blessing. Because it is more than the absence of hostility. It is the presence of all that is right and good. Shalom is when things are ordered the way they're supposed to be. To experience shalom is to experience life as it was meant to be. In a harmonious relationship with God, with others, and with creation. So this This blessing is leading up to this and saying, may God watch over you and keep you. May he pardon you. May his presence be with you. He's your protector. All of this is there because what we're asking for is shalom, for peace, so that you are at peace with God. You're at peace with yourself. You're at peace with others. You're at peace with all of creation. That's what the blessing of God leads to. And it is destruction that pulls us away from that and pulls us to everything else. Now, let's be clear. The experience of full shalom awaits the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, There's only going to be universal shalom 
and the fullness of shalom in the new heavens and the new earth. But what God is saying is, as you stand up and you pronounce this blessing over each other, I am there and doing it, and I'm giving you a foretaste of it. You're going to get a taste of the shalom that is coming. Everything that is coming, you're going to get a taste of now. In the midst of a broken, fractured, messed up world, I'm going to give you a taste of the shalom that you are longing for. And then notice, God comes back at the end of this and he promises what the result of this is going to be in verse 27. And please don't miss this. He says in verse 27, so they will put my name on the Israelites. So God doesn't say here, this is just some kind of a little ritual or ceremony, you know, you got to do kind of a religious thing. No, no. when they do this, my name is going to be on the Israelites. They are going to be marked off as my people. Uh, Tony read that verse at the beginning of our worship day where we was talking about our name being inscribed on God and God's name is inscribed on us. That's where God marks us off and says, these people are mine. My name is on them. They belong to me. Out of all the earth, they are my treasured possession. They are mine. And then notice he says in verse 27, and I will bless them. God is covenanting. He is giving a covenant promise to his people that when you do this, it is not a mere formality. It's not wishful thinking. It's not positive mental energy okay if you're on social media you see that all the time right i've got positive mental energy coming your way okay well that's good i have no idea what that means and i know that it doesn't do anything that's just a sign that we're banging we don't believe god's saying this isn't about that this isn't positive thoughts coming your way god is saying i will bless get the picture When this blessing is extended, God, in essence, is saying, I stand up off my throne and I command a blessing on those people. And folks, if God blesses you, you're blessed. No matter what else is going on, you are blessed. So God gives his covenant promise to actually place his blessing on us as we receive it in faith. Again, look at the five things that are here. Look at them. The provision protection, pardon, presence, peace. God says, when you do this, if you reach out in faith and say, yes, God, he promises to be your provision. He promises to be your protector. He promises to pardon all of your sins. He promises that his presence, a blessing will be with you, and he promises peace, shalom. You get the foretaste of the kingdom now. Why on earth, dear God, would we gather as his people and say, I'll just skip that. See you next week. I don't get it. I don't know why the church would do it. We think that it's going to become formality. It's not a formality. It is God blessing us. So how do we apply this word? There are just two questions, and then we're going to conclude by me giving a blessing. Okay? First question. Do I receive God's covenant blessing each week? This is kind of blessed to be a blessing. You can't go be a blessing if you haven't received a blessing. Okay? Do 
we receive, do I receive God's covenant blessing each week? This is part of our worship each week because it's prescribed by God for his people. We didn't create this, not our idea, not something we came up with. This is what God has done in Scripture. From I mean, we were fresh out of the clay, and God was blessed. It's the first thing we heard is God pronouncing blessing on us all the way to the very last verse of Scripture, and God's still saying, I bless you. That is his pattern for us as his people. It's part of our worship because it has a rich history in the worship of God's people across the ages. The church needs to be careful with just dispensing with the old and starting the new. We need to pay attention to how God's people have worshiped him across the ages. And furthermore, it is part of our worship because it's a foretaste of the eternal blessing. Every week what we're doing is we're getting a little taste of what's to come. Because you know and I know we're going to walk out there and how messed up is the world going to be this week? Right? It's going to be a mess, and it's going to be a mess until Jesus has returned. Well, what we need then is we need the blessing of God. I need a foretaste to keep me going and remind me, oh yes, it, there is a glory that is coming. It is better. What is ahead of us is better than what's behind us. I am longing and waiting for when it is shalom everywhere. It is blessing, blessing, blessing. Peace, peace, peace. It's not that way yet, but each week, we get a foretaste of this. But this is what's critical. And this is dealing with the question. Just because the blessing is spoken, does that mean I receive a blessing? What is always required to receive any blessing God offers? Faith. Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You, you cannot receive any blessing from God. Read through the Gospels. Jesus is constantly saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. We have in one town where Jesus, God in the flesh, is in the town. All kinds of sick people around, all kinds of things needing to be blessed. And it says, but Jesus didn't do many miracles there because they had no faith. Okay? So we have to receive in faith. There's a a phrase in theology, which is ex opere operato, not important, you remember that little bit of Latin, but what that means is, in the working of it, it works. And this is a bad idea that arose in the history of the church that says, I could be up here as a leader and have no faith at all, but as long as I say the right words and do the right things, I can have no faith, you can have no faith, but it still works. No, it doesn't. If there is no faith, nothing happened at all. Ever. Nothing is received except by faith. You are justified by faith alone. And you are sanctified through faith. That's how it happens. And you receive God's blessings by faith. Not by our works, but by faith. So that leads to the question then, and answering this, do I receive God's covenant blessing each week? Do I believe God actually blesses me through the weekly benediction and blessing? In a couple of minutes, I'm going to do this. Is that the time for you to reach out in faith and say, God, bless me. Be, oh God, everything you have promised to be. Be my provision. Be my protection. Give me your pardon. Oh God, watch over me. Give me your peace. Lord, I need it. I want it. Give it to me. Let your presence be upon me. Or is it a time to shuffle in my purse or my pants pocket to find my keys to get ready to go? 
Which is it? Is it a time for my mind to be wandering and think, what time does the Cowboys game start today? Always should worry about that. And it's late enough that you'll get home. Which, which am I doing? Because you're going to do one or the other. And friends, God is here to pronounce a blessing. It's not going to be, the person who does it each week, they are not important. They don't have the power to give you anything. Okay, I'm not a source of anything. God's the source. But he is here to bless. Will you reach out by faith and receive that blessing or are we busy thinking and doing other things? Do I actively pay attention? Actively pay attention. Do I actively receive the blessing of God? Inside your spirit, and there are some people here who I see occasionally doing this, putting their hands out. Reach out and grab it. I'm telling you, you've got to be active. You've got to want it. You've got to tell God, I want that. I need that. If you feel bereft and are like, I just feel covered from God. Then each week say, God, give me your presence. Put it on me. If you're feeling like I'm, I'm weary under a burden of my own sin, then reach out and receive pardon. If you are like, I don't feel blessed, then reach out and receive provision from God. If your life is turmoil, reach out and receive peace, receive shalom. But don't think it just happens. You receive everything by faith which is good news because how much faith do you need to receive the blessing of God? Just a mustard seed, right? A mustard seed's enough to tell a mountain go away. I mean, I, I, I'm really glad for that. It doesn't take a lot. But reach out and receive God's blessing. And then the second question that that leads to is, if I receive God's blessing each week, do I speak God's blessing over others? Am I someone who speaks blessing over other people? Leaders are called to do this in the church, but all believers can speak blessing over others. Did you see that the, can you imagine those people were recorded there in Acts 15 for all of eternity. They get to say, I was there, man. We put our hands on Paul and we spoke a blessing over the apostle as he was going out because God's the source, not the individual person. It always goes back to God. So we can all speak words of blessing. We are all priests in the new covenant. I am not a priest, except in the same sense that you are a priest. All believers are priests in the new covenant. That is over and over. You can read it in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. You can read it in Revelation chapter 1. That's what Jesus has done. He has made us all priests in the new covenant. So we can all speak a blessing. It is good to speak blessings over the people we love. If you are a parent, you need to do this with your children. As I said a few minutes ago, if you are here and, and you're still young and you're going to have more babies come, the day you find out that you got a baby on the way, you ought to start speaking blessing over that child. You ought to start speaking the blessing of God over the child. But you can do that all the way through. And even if they're not there, when I begin my prayers, every, every time when I pray, the first person I pray for is Linda. And the first thing I pray is for God's blessing to be on her. Now, because I'm trying to bless her, I don't usually go wake her up at some ridiculous hour in the morning and do that, but I just, <laughs> she appreciates that. Um, so, but I, it's the first thing I do is I pray and I speak. And I say, God, bless my wife. Let, let your blessing be upon her, Lord. Be the provision she needs today. God, meet her and do that. 
spouses, we ought to be doing that with and over one another. But you've got other situations. This is that principle. You and I are blessed. And we are called to go forth and spread, spread the blessing as far as the curse is found. And friend, everywhere you go, curse is found. It is out there. And we live in a world, and right now, you want to know a great thing Christians could do? If, I, I don't know whether I want to recommend this or not, but if you, if you do social media, go on social media this afternoon, and are people speaking words of blessing or words of cursing at one another? What is our culture full of right now? It's just cursing each other over inane things, constantly speaking negative towards one another. Now, this is not some kind of, again, positive mental energy. We ought to be in the midst of it speaking words of blessing. That would, be, that would make the church so countercultural in our day rather than cursing other people and always being down. If we were there and speaking, because I might remind you, we're told many times in the New Testament, what are we supposed to do to those who persecute us? Yeah, let, let's say that again, nice and loud. What are we supposed to do to those who speak evil of us and persecute us? What are we supposed to do? Bless them. And it's not like that country song a few years ago, you know, I pray God will bless you as you fall down the stairs and your truck gets run over and all that kind of stuff. No, it means you're cursing me and I speak a blessing back to you. You want to stop somebody in their tracks? You want to show that the gospel is making a difference in your life? The more they curse, the more we bless. Boy, would that be radical. Would that show the effect of the gospel? So you and I are on a mission this week, and here's our mission. In just a minute, receive the blessing, and then go forth and extend the blessing to everyone. Let's stand together. And what we're going to do is, I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to actually first do the blessing in Hebrew, which I don't normally do, but I'm going to do it in Hebrew so you can kind of hear. I want you to picture if you were there when God had spoken this to Aaron. So I'm going to do it in Hebrew so you can kind of hear it, and then I'm going to speak it in English. And I want you to reach out by faith and receive the blessing of our God. Yavarechaka Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai panayav elecha v'hunecha. Yisa Adonai panayav elecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go forth in the blessing and spread it to everyone. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.